Hello and welcome to the Learning from Legends show with me, Peter Switzer. And today I'm talking to a very, very special Australian woman, a lady by the name of Ronnie Khan, who started Oz Harvest, which goes out there and helps the, the battlers of Australia who really need to be fed. Uh, but she's also created an extraordinary business, turnover of about $25 million now, the support of some of the biggest companies in Australia, a real business innovator and a very, very valuable Australian. Uh, and uh, she's come up with an initiative that not only will help the, the battlers of Australia, but also the climate of the world. Uh, and this is a woman who really thinks outside the squares. So I think it was about 17 years ago, if I remember rightly. Absolutely. <laughs> I've been chatting with you for that long, Peter. Thank you so much. <laughs> it's, it's a very important day. It's UN's International Food Loss and Waste Day, but you've also kicked off something you call Use It Up. And so let's catch up with you now and, and ask you about both those uh, major events, uh, the UN's International Food Loss and Waste Day and Use It Up. Ronnie, thanks for coming on the program. Look, thank you so much. So what Us Harvest does on a daily basis is make sure that food that is surplus within the food supply chain goes to feed vulnerable people. But Oz Harvest has never really targeted households, nor have we targeted homes, where we now know that half of all food waste comes from. Mm. And so today it's such an important day because we've launched a campaign that literally is going to connect <clears throat> food waste and climate change. And we need all of us, Aussies, to understand that connection because on a on an annual basis in Australia, $36 billion worth of food goes to waste. And half of that is from households. Okay. That accounts for 2.5 million tons of food. We have today on US Food Loss and Waste Day, we acknowledge that the UN SDG goal. 12.3, but the UN SDG goals we've put into place to halve food waste within Australia by 2030. That leaves us just nine years. And so urgent action is required, which is why we're launching this actually very exciting campaign today. And it's called Use It Up. And literally, it's to try and get Aussies to connect and understand the connection between food waste and their actions and climate change. Okay. Let, let's park that for a minute because yeah. for those people who don't know much about you and yeah. Oz Harvest, it might be really valuable to position you. And as I made the point 17 years ago, I, I bumped into this very unusual woman <laughs> called Ronnie Khan. Um, and you started Oz Harvest. So for people who don't know, what does Oz Harvest do on a daily basis? So on a daily basis, we now have over 80 vehicles, which literally rescue surplus food from around the country and make sure that that good quality, perfectly edible food goes to feed vulnerable people. We service around 1,700 different charitable organizations. But actually, we also educate, we advocate, we innovate, and we engage. So our education, we've got programs that teach school kids how to live a sustainable life, how not to waste food, how to cook and eat um, a very well-balanced diet, and to make sure that we're growing 
little climate change activists to understand their footprint on this planet. Yeah. Who were you and what were you before Oz Harvest? I was nothing and still am. But what I was, was I was an event producer. I had my own event management company. And I kept seeing food go to waste at the events I was creating. And one day it dawned on me that all this beautiful food, instead of going to landfill, should feed people. And so I literally went from there um, to making sure that that food got collected. We had laws changed in Australia to allow good food to be given away for free. And I guess even more recently, I've just launched my memoir, A Repurposed Life, sharing the lessons that I've learned over the last 17 years. And they've been immense. Yeah, I'm sure they have, Ronnie. So you, you've made the point that you've got laws changed. Yeah. So explain to us what the legal challenge was. I'm going to ask you about the other challenges as well, because not only is this interview valuable for uh, people who, who want to participate in helping the environment and saving on food loss. Yeah. This is also a, a small business startup story as well. Absolutely. And a lot of great lessons in your, your story. So, mm. so, and I can remember at the time when we first, it was probably when I was doing Talking Business on Qantas the first Absolutely. time. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, that the, 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 what were the legal challenges you had to beat in those days? Well, I, I can recall that small businesses and little uh, individual businesses were thrilled to make sure that anything they had left over at the end of the day would be collected by me or my drivers in that very first fledgling beginning. But I remember thinking about the bigger businesses like supermarkets. And of course, supermarkets turned around initially and said, there's no way we'll give you any food because the liability to us is too great. Mm. So we had the Civil Liabilities Amendment Act amended and passed in 2005 in New South Wales, 2008 in the ACT, 2009 in Queensland and South Australia to allow business to give away its food for free without fear of liability if it was going to feed vulnerable people, which fundamentally changed the way Australians could think about donating fresh or, or quality food that for a whole lot of reasons gets wasted, you know, mainly because of cosmetics or because of dates. And that shifted the behavior of big business mm. to the point that Peter, we've just rescued and delivered our 190 millionth meal, the equivalent of, yeah. over these last 17 years. Yeah, it's great that you should, you've been able to do that. Yeah. So that was the legal challenges. Um, did, did you need some some powerful people with great connections to, to bounce a few politicians to then in, in take up the challenge to get the, the laws changed? Absolutely. I mean, I lobbied some great lawyers who then said, yep, let us lobby for you, with you. And absolutely, it's about utilizing all those, those people who have connections. It's about being resilient. It's about never giving up. It just never occurred to me to say, oh, this is all too hard. It was just about we've got to find the way to get around 
to make this work. And the result has been pretty extraordinary because we keep attracting magnificent people to help us do what we need to do. Ronnie, I've, I've spoken many times with, um, you, you might come across um, Tom O'Toole, the Beechworth Baker, and Tom often talks about people in business encountering dream takers. People say, you can't do that. Yeah. And I also interviewed Mark Randolph, the guy who started Netflix, and his book was called uh, That'll Never Work. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and you, you're, you're exactly the same situation. How did you... Um, how did you cope with the dream takers and the people telling you that your whole idea is never going to work? I told them to mind out my way. <laughs> All I did was move around them because I knew that there was good food. I knew there were people in need and it just seemed in, unconscionable that we couldn't do that. And honestly, the truth is you, you stick with the people who can support you and you tell those people, you know, I, I don't know, even know if this is true, but somebody told me this early on, and it was it's always been a guiding light for me, that when Walt Disney decided to start Disneyland, he went to 150 banks who said no. Mm. But the 151st said yes. Mm. So you got to just keep going. <laughs> yeah. In fact, I've seen a great Walt Disney uh, documentary. It's on Netflix. It's really worth watching. Um, so... I have to ask this question too because and we know each other well enough that I can actually be a little bit... Cheeky. <laughs> well, racially, historically observant. I've got lots of South African friends and they often have a, a, a cultural inclination to be very irrepressible, bordering on pushy when it comes... <laughs> is that the nicest way of putting it? Well, that is very subtle. <laughs> I say I've got chutzpah. Which more people have said of me that I've got chutzpah. But, you know, I would never ask anything of anyone that I wouldn't do myself. Yeah. And I think it's really always, for me, when you're talking about the purpose-led world and cause-related world, I think my job is to give people an opportunity to get on board, to join us, to be part of what it is we do. And, you know, there will be those people who say no, and I say, that's fine, that's not for you. But the truth is, I say I'm a magnet for magnificent people because extraordinary people have come to join us yeah, and, yeah. and want to be part of this movement to both make a difference, to add value to their own lives. It's enriching your own life when you give back, when you work for a cause that is for the better good. And, you know, right here, we, there are two major reasons for what I do. The one is to improve the lives of people and the other is to improve our planet. Yeah. Now, and, and because I've always known you to be quite irrepressible, <laughs> um, but that doesn't mean that you're always um, irrepressible. Were there, were there times when you were um, disheartened by barriers that were put in your way and if you did how did you learn because people in business you, you know yourself they experience challenges and it can either make them or break them and you learn a lot from your mistakes you learn a lot yeah. from the challenges you beat how, how did you cope with sometimes the doors closing on you and you think oh this is going to make it me impossible to succeed you know it never occurred to me that it was impossible I mean, I've always believed it was possible. So I think that 
positive energy. You know, I had great role modeling. My Both my parents, my dad suffered major, he was involved in a terrible accident and, and left him seriously disabled. But he never, ever thought of himself as disabled, nor did we. So when you live with this positivity around you, I think I'm, I'm really good at just keeping on going. And I think that's the biggest lesson anyone in business who, who kind of comes across challenges. We literally have to weave our way through. And because I knew that ultimately everything that we do has this positive spin, it's just allowed me to re-navigate. And yeah, of course, there were times when you get knocked down, but you just pick yourself up and you say, okay, how else can I do this? Okay. Another challenge that you encounter and other people encounter is dollars. You know, you, you needed money. Well, what what did, you, do. <laughs> did you learn about getting people with dollars to support your goal? Yeah. And again, you know, right from the beginning, what I realized was the value transaction was the most important. If I could show how valuable it was to invest in what we do, and that's actually never changed. Every dollar that comes into Oz Harvest allows us to deliver at least two meals. Now, that is incredibly powerful. You know, we're very transparent. So the point is, you give me a dollar, I can deliver two meals. There's not a lot you can do with 50 cents these days. Mm. So that's always stood us in really good stead, you know, and that's why I can tell you we've delivered 190 million meals, not because I've had that amount of money. I have, but it's I've had, you know, but it's because we're data driven. We're all about making sure that we're accountable. I've, I'm using other people's money. And, you know, regarding funding, I think you just have to have the deepest respect for the people who invest in you. Yeah. And that's always been... It's, it's transactional. How can I give value back to you? And so that's really how we've built our brand has been based on the integrity and, and what it is we do. But it's when somebody comes to me, it's very obvious what I need. <laughs> I need funding to do these things. But I always come back and say, what is it we can do for you? How can our brand help you? How can your team can get involved in our team building you know, purpose-led initiatives. It's really all about giving back in order to get, and it's never been, I've never gone to anyone cap in hand and said, oh, things are so bad for us. Things are amazing, you know, from that very first investment that Macquarie Bank gave me 18 years ago of $50,000, you know, we're now between a 25 and $30 million business. And if we weren't a charity, you know, and we are quoted as one of those cases that MBA students study because in such a short time, we've had so much impact. And our innovation piece is really, I think, the most exciting. It's everything. All I ever wanted to do was, was solve problems, not become a Band-Aid. Mm. And so that's why we started rescuing food, but then we started teaching people how to cook and how to look after themselves. And we've got programs that take youth and teach them hospitality training, vulnerable youth, and put them through skills training so that they can improve their lives. And then 
a whole sustainability pillar, which is really where we're at, you know, which is the campaign we're launching today is about finding solutions. If Australia is wasting all this food, globally we're wasting all this food, how are we going to shift and change behavior? And our harvest has not traditionally dealt with consumers, citizens as such. We deal with direct with business. But this is our first foray into saying we've, we've got nine years, it's urgent action is required, and that's really why we launched the Use It Up campaign. Yeah. And I, want, I want to drill down into what households can do specifically. Yeah. But just yeah. before I get there, I just want to tackle this last bit because I was going to bring the Macquarie um, Association because that was your first big win and supporter. Was it hard to get them on board did you, did you use connections and friends that may well have been out the door for you or did you Absolutely. open the door yourself? Absolutely. Somebody suggested they'd open the door. Now, they didn't walk through that door with me, but they opened the door. And so once I was in, and that's probably a little bit where that irrepressible or the, I call it chutzpah, you can call it pushy. The point is that door was open. Like a South African rugby scrum, pushy. Exactly. I was not going to leave without the ball. <laughs> and that took a bit of time. But the truth is, I had a brilliant idea. Let's take good food that would otherwise go to landfill and feed it to hungry people. I mean, who's not going to come on board with that? There's nobody who doesn't think it's a great idea. It's just how to actually put that in action. And I think that's really got, what that allowed me to do. Yeah, and when you got Macquarie on board, did that make it easier for others to say, well, if they're doing it, we're going to do it too? It opened doors. The minute I could say Macquarie's invested in us, it was like, okay, well, they were the leading bank at the time, and I'm sure they still are, but they were the biggest foundation they had. They were that very first to start investing in social causes with such depth and it made others, you know, other other businesses that didn't even have foundations at that time started giving me money because of that initial. So it's really important to know the value of getting that first fantastic investor, but in, in anything, at any point, getting other investors that you can then say, well, they're doing this and they're doing this, so therefore it's valuable for you. Ronnie, tell us about the people who help you. Like, how, how many staff do you have and how many volunteers? Because volunteers are really important as well in your yeah, Totally. So, Peter, it's hard for me to believe, but we've now got over 280 staff. And I've probably employed through this COVID period another uh, 100 because the need got so great the demand has been so huge that we've just had to roll out more and more programs. And, and volunteers, we have over three and a half thousand volunteers. And if I, I, I want to share something so heartwarming, that at the beginning of this lockdown in New South Wales, when we realized we had to really ramp up our programs because the need in those LGAs, the 12 LGAs has been so great, we opened up our volunteering portal to emergency response volunteers that would make it shortcut the volunteering process because we needed so many volunteers. We set a goal to make 12,000 hampers a week to deliver out. That's just in New South Wales. And within two weeks, I had 800 volunteers 
sign up and have been working around 200 volunteers a week come in as we speak in two shifts a day, six days a week, helping us make hampers and deliver food out into the most, the areas of most need. Fantastic, fantastic. Mm. I always knew you were going to be a success, but uh, <laughs> I didn't think you were this successful. It's fantastic. Yeah, Actually, but I'll be even more successful when I put us out of business because <laughs> <laughs> we will have solved some of those problems. Yeah. And this is what this campaign is looking to do. Okay, let's drill into it. So it's called Use It Up. And it is. How simple is that? <laughs> I noticed that uh, an old friend of mine, Jessica Rowe, she's a crap housewife. I know. I love it. ambassador for this program. She so is. Tell us what, what crap housewife and house husbands, um, the mistakes that we make. So I think most of us don't get the connection between food waste and climate change. And food waste is a major contributor to climate change. And Peter, if I tell you this, you will probably be surprised. But food waste is worse than the aviation sector, is worse than plastic production, and is even worse than oil extraction in that the emissions that are given off by food waste are higher than those three sectors that I've mentioned. So most of us don't know that. So food waste gives off 10% gas emissions, which is methane, which is really part of global warming, whereas the aviation sector is 1.6%, and coal extraction and plastic production is 3.8%. And food waste is 10%. So all of the experts say that if food waste was a country, it would be the third biggest emitter of methane after the US and China. So food waste, none of us realize that. And, you know, most of us care deeply about the climate, care deeply about our planet. But not all of us can afford an electric vehicle. Not all of us can afford to put solar on our roofs. Not all of us are going to go and chain ourselves somewhere. But each and every one of us in our households yeah. can actually become a little activist yeah. and, and households. And that's where Use It Up tape comes in because we, we worked with Monash University and Behavioral Behavior Works, which are who are behavioral scientists. And we did research to understand the likelihood matrix to shift and change behavior because you might care about food waste, but it's so hard and you don't really know what to do. Mm -hmm. And so the, the matrix, the behavior that came out, that's the easiest to get us to take part in is use it up. If we understand how valid it is and important it is to use up what we've got in our fridge. So we created, oh, I'm just going to, I'm bending over for one second to pick up my use it up tape. Okay. I thought I had it with me. Oh, where is it? Oh, goodness, it's disappeared. I'll show it to you here. So what the research showed, what the research showed was that if it's visible, if we make it easy and visible for us to identify what needs to be used up, yeah. we're more likely to do it. 
So what we did was we created, can you see this? I yeah, can't see. Right in front of you there. There? Use it up tape. Got Use that? it up yeah. tape. So it's like yeah. a post-it note, is it? Well, no, it's actually a tape. Yeah. And right. we ask you to take what we tell you to do. Is It's going to save you food. It's going to save you money. And it's going to save the planet. And it's like sticky tape. And we yeah, want yeah. you to take it and put it on a shelf in your fridge and move everything that you need to use up. So, for example, you've got half a container of soup that is sitting in the back of the fridge that you forgot was there. Whatever it is, put it on the use it up shelf. And that what the research we did, ethnographic studies, and we did research with over 1,600 families across Australia and all demographics, what the research showed is that two things, that it's not only the job of the person who's doing the shopping to save food, it's that you want to get the whole household on board. And when you start using this tape or you put it on your in your pantry on containers or you put it on your fruit. So my fruit box comes on a Wednesday. If I've still got an apple in my bowl, I put use it up on the apple that's there. So I know which one to use up first. And households have got engaged in this. And it becomes this beautiful way of putting it front of mind. And people are loving it. It's saving money. Because when you save food from going to waste, you save money because you're buying less. It's making people plan their food purchasing more. So they, they're making shopping lists. They, they're buying less and getting the whole household engaged, whether it's one person or young kids, has, has proven to be a very powerful thing. And an economic dividend too, if you're not wasting food, you're not wasting money, and therefore there's a, another yeah, The research shows that the average household wastes $4,000 a year on throwing away food. One in five shopping bags we purchase. So if we can, I mean, $4,000 is significant, mm. you know? It's, it's childcare, it's presents, it's a holiday. A it's absolutely. And so this little awareness piece is about shifting behavior. And it's the, and the other important part is it's also encouraging people to use, to, to make a meal from what's in their fridge. Mm -hmm. So rather than thinking, okay, I'll go and buy new things. You see what you've got, and people are creating, becoming very much more creative about using what they've already got. And so that's very important. Yeah, I did it last night, as a matter of fact. There was a half an iceberg lettuce. There were some olives in the back of the fridge. Yeah. Um, and there were some tomatoes, which, you know, were, had been for a while. And I made a Greek salad. I thought, and, and there's also a bit of feta, a half a jar of feta. And I thought, how good am I? <laughs> Exactly. Well, you are good. And thank you for being such mm -hmm. a great example, because sometimes that half a lettuce would lie there and then suddenly it's Slug. yucky and sludgy and you throwing it out and you would have wasted your money and you would have had to think of something else to make for dinner or go out and purchase. So really, we're very excited about this. And the response, we launched it this morning on 
on a channel and we've already had orders. So we're giving it away for free. We've yeah. the first thousand rolls. Um, we're just asking people to pay for the postage, which I think is $4. And we've already had, I think by nine o'clock, 800 people had had ordered the tape. So we're very um, where do they go? What's the website they go to? to just to osharvest.org. You can find it, and if we don't have it, just put your. We'll 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 come back to you because we're reordering. But what's really exciting is we believe, you know, we've shared this with the UN because this is a global issue, mm. and of course we're looking for more channels to get this out. So we're hoping that Woolworths, who's a partner of ours, will come on board to have it available within all Woolworths stores. Um, we're looking, for, you know, local government, um, schools, because the more this tool is in people's hands, we're going to save money, we're going to save food from going to waste, and we're going to be able to really, within the next nine years, achieve Australia's goal to halve food waste by 2030. Okay. Now, Ronnie, you, you have historically surprised me with some of the, the revelations that comes out of your mouth. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not sure how scientific you are, but can you just explain for, for my viewers who might be thinking, if, for example, the food, the, the, the wonderful salad I made last night, imagine I was too busy and we just went out and bought, bought a salad. I dump that stuff in the garbage tin. Yeah. It goes to landfill and that then becomes eventually a methane gas yeah. which goes into the environment. But by consuming it, it doesn't end up being a methane product or? No, no, not at all. You know, if that lettuce had gone to landfill, mm. it would have taken 25 years to decompose. If, however, you had taken that lettuce and put it in compost, it would have taken two weeks. But the point is, the minute you consumed it yourself, you know, what goes into sewerage does not cause methane. Okay. <laughs> we're, not, we're not animals. <laughs> yeah. There's a very good scientific explanation, Ronnie. Okay, and I noticed you've got Neil Perry involved. Have, have chefs historically been wasters? and Major ambassadors for us. You know, if you run an efficient restaurant, you cannot afford to waste. Mm. And so whilst people often love to idealize and think we collect food from wonderful restaurants really good restaurants manage to use every piece of stalk and leaf mm. and so that's really why they've been such ambassadors for us because they love what we stand for any chef values food cares so deeply after you've cut you know used every scrap of an onion you don't want to see that food that you've produced or that magnificent meal go to waste. Mm. So really the chef, the, the hospitality world is really behind not wasting food, which is why we've got so many magnificent ambassadors, Neil, Colin, Matt Moran, Guillaume, you know, Kylie Kwong, all these beautiful chefs love what we do because they care about food and we all need to value food more. That's really also part of our lesson. We've forgotten the value of food. Your, your grandfather, my grandmother, 
you know, they'd never pick up something and throw it away. They'd smell it. They'd use it. They'd pickle it. They'd preserve it. They'd turn it into jam. They'd turn it into tomorrow's shepherd's pie, bubble and squeak, whatever. And so on our website now, we've got lots of tips and recipes on how not to waste food. Yeah. I think my, my grandfather, who was a Scot, used to even his toast in the, the leftover bacon fat and things like that. Exactly. Well, <laughs> to, toss it out. Yeah, well, today I just saw our chef taking some very stale bread, whizzing it up and turning it into breadcrumbs, but then he turned it into, poor, he called it poor man's parmesan because he added herbs, spices and salt and, and a little bit of olive oil and then you sprinkle that on pasta and it's as if you've got the most beautiful sauce. So, yeah, yeah. you know, and that's just from leftover bread and bread is one of those things that we waste so much of fruit and veg. We waste so much milk, dairy. Yeah. Mm. All right. Well, I've certainly used you up on use it up day <laughs> of my podcast. It's great to talk to you, Ronnie. I hope this works out really well. It's a great, as always, innovative idea from you. Thank you so much. Please share, use it up, tell people to get it on usharvest.org. And we really, I really appreciate the opportunity to chat with you. Thank you always for just being such a supporter of ours. No problem. Great, uh, great to see you, Ronnie. Bye-bye. Thanks. Cheers. Bye. And that was Ronnie Khan of Oz Harvest. If you want to check out what the Switzer organization does, have a look at switzerdaily.com.au every day and you get a chance to hang out with the Switzer team. Time, Britain time. <laughs>